Welcome to the Patriarchy Podcast, a podcast that offers a simple, sociable, and structured way to dismantling the patriarchy. Today is a bit of a cold and windy day, but it reflects the mood my speakers have in intending to blowing rape culture away. Rape culture is a term used within within women's studies and feminism, describing a culture in which rape and other sexual violence, usually against women, are common and in which prevalent attitudes, norms, practices, and media condone, normalize, excuse, or encourage sexualized violence. In other terms, it is understanding that we raise women to survive in a rape culture because we raise women to know these things, yet we do nothing to talk to men about not raping. So my first question to my lovely speakers joining us today is, what things are women taught to do before they go outside to protect themselves from being raped? Oh my goodness, Um, I'll start. Um, Jeez, man. I mean, there's such a long list of uh, things that women are taught every single day from, you know, um, don't wear clothing that's too tight or too revealing because you don't want to like entice or encourage a man. You know, don't experiment with alcohol um, or drugs when you're going to a club. And if you are going to a club, you know, protect your drink so that no one comes and like spikes it. So every single day, um, women are taught how not to be raped, um, mm. but yet no one's teaching men how not to rape women. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I can just add into what Megan said. Um, so, I have a bit of a list that I thought of, and I sort of, so my mom coined them as like the preemptive precautions mm-hmm. um, to simply <laughs> exist. And um, so, it ranges from a breakdown to so a specific breakdown of where you're going to um and breakdown that also includes who you're going with mm. so um like i mean this like who you're going with means full names phone numbers and sort of their like ice number and live locations <laughs> exactly oh, yeah. Yeah. that's Three, yeah. Number three mm. is your location. Change your location. Mm. Uh, number two would be like a screenshot of if you use like, um, if, let's say using Ubers or like Bolt or whatever. She wants a screenshot of the number plate. Um, yeah, what else? The, the location, as you said, pepper spray. Mm. Um, I think I get pepper spray every like four months. Um, and yeah, fully charged power bank mm. because your phone can't go off. Not just to contact people, um, just to like invite people out, but like you know, as a precaution, mm-hmm. as well as covering your drinks. So like hand sanitizer when your hands get sticky for covering from covering your drinks the whole night. Sure. So that's sort of yeah, like just weird, weird preemptive precautions. And um, do you think? Be- and do you think our male counterparts go through this? Do you have you ever encountered a man saying, "Yeah, I had to send my live location or this the 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 number of my Uber number plate to my friends or my family," um, because that is just such a wide juxtaposition towards what we have to go through just to exist. Um, it's it it sounds like one of those checks you do just before you're about to take off with a plane. So jet petrol wheels alignment you know it's 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 a lot yeah yeah so for me i think it's like um men are also the largest killers of men you know Mm. so they're 
<laughs> their existence, if, if they were to just be proper, you know, they don't kill themselves, they don't kill other men, they don't kill other humans, it'd be all good. Yeah, so for them, it's generally just like a standard, do I have enough money, you know, usually so that I can uh, persuade certain girls to go home with us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do I have enough money to floss and to, and to display my masculinity wherever we're going? Um, am I am I clothed the right way for my street cred? You know, it's never about um, safety because in any case, when men attack men, um, they are going to group and protect each other, right? And there's this weird, like, sort of bro code, like if we're getting into a fight because one of my guys, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, whatever the reason for the conflict may be, then we're all, we're all going to, you know, be on his side and we're going to fight this other gang, right? And if the other gang is not, um, if, if, if it's too big or whatever, then we'll, we'll, we'll fall down. But there's that unity, there's that um, in case of danger, I've got my boys, no, I've got my boys, right? Mm. Whereas for us, in case of danger, whether I have my girls <laughs> or, or not, we are all equally um, in danger, right? Mm. And just to say, like, there's certain institutions that, that enable this type of behavior, right? So if you're going to church, you know, like, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm Christian, I'm Catholic. So for the longest time, this thing about um, covering your shoulders under the guise that is to respect the church it's actually just to, um, you know, uh, protect yourself from being raped or, or, or <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. It's just, it's like, just, you know, be respectable, you know, but like, don't be, don't be, who's that woman? Don't be a Jezebel, you know, don't, mm. don't tempt people at church. Um, next thing that the only three men at church now want you and now they're going to, you know, it's never... It's such an, an inconsistent um, language that we were taught from such a young age. Mm, and now, yeah. into my 30s, it's still the same. Mm. No, mm. I can agree with you there with the, the teaching at a young age. Uh, Blossom and I actually went to the same high school. It was a Catholic high school. And the sort of regulation of, um, you know, wearing skirts, it has to be, what is it, three, three fingers. And if, three it's, fingers. if it's shorter or longer, then, you know, you don't want to attract this uh, wrong type of attention. So there's always so much regulation in terms of women's behavior, um, how you look, how you appear, because whatever you do is, is on the basis of like what you're wearing. So essentially, if I get raped, it's because of what I wear. And that is, that is instilled at a young age. So make sure your skirt is long enough that you're not uh, attracting uh, the wrong eyes. Make sure you are covering your shoulders. Make sure you're not being, you know, it's, 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 it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I find that to be very true. And I think there needs to be more work in terms of the language that we use when it comes to allowing young girls in particular to have the agency to wear whatever they want to wear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's our bodies, you know. Mm. We should be allowed to do whatever we want to wear. So um, when you when you constantly tell in women and young girls, this is what you should wear, you know, you should, should or you be at a particular length, 
you're actually victim blaming and you're shifting the responsibility to the woman or the girl, but it actually, the responsibility should be on men. You know, we shouldn't be um, worried about what we wear and things. It should never be about that. And I just find it so strange. It's like we're living in prison every single day because whenever we have to use, like we said earlier, we when you're using um, an Uber, for instance, you constantly have to like share screenshots with your friends. I mean, we even have a group where um, every time someone travels, we have to um, share a screenshot because God forbid anything happens to one of us, then at least, you know, we have details and stuff. But I mean, this is not the way that anyone should live. Like, it's, it's not like humane. And also, if I can just quickly come in, this whole idea of focusing on teaching the girl child to um, take certain precautions when it comes to actually just existing. I don't even know how to like put it in a different way. Mm. Why don't we rather channel our energy and um, teach the boy child to um, actually practice self-discipline and practice respect? You don't hear in school um, teachers actually shouting at boys because their pants are too low. They literally below their butts um, or stuff. So um, it's just it just highlights like the unequal um, um, just focus on women and trying to police uh, like women's bodies and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I agree with Megan. We definitely are living in a prison. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's only not I was I was at at a church service now before lockdown, mm. um, and I come from an extremely Afrikaans conservative town called Lanesburg, and it's still the same. Like it was hundred years ago, you are supposed to be dressed in a certain way, and if you're not, there's a problem with you. Mm. Um, so if the jeans is too tight, if the top is too tight, and, and then also if you're not married by a certain age, then it's always it's always your problem. And and I was yeah. thinking, it was actually a woman that was saying to her young daughter, um, a little girl doesn't sit like that. And I looked and I and I because I wanted to see what what do you what are you supposed to sit like? Mm. Um, so I think we also have become become so brainwashed into this thinking. Um, you must sit like this, you must race like this. And unconsciously, I think we are also participating still in this thing um, that says we must be like this. We must. I mean, if I want to be half naked in the cold, then it's my issue. If I'm comfortable mm. like that, but I think we also now have a tendency to overthink it. Mm. Um, I also know when we go out as females, um, you don't even go to the bathroom alone. I mean, yes. So, so it is not. Exactly. And, it, and it's not it's not right that it should be like that but i mean it is this is this is normal now for us mm-hmm. and and you will never see it's not the same with boys um they grow up you can do what you want you know the onus mm-hmm. is on the girl um across the board whether whether you're dating um and i saw there's a nice program they do overseas about safe dating where they even teach you from a school level what is allowed? And it's not only the girls, it is the boys as well. Mm. Um, so this thing of equality across the board, whether it comes to clothes, how you behave, what is acceptable behavior, um, stems from equality. Definitely. Mm. 
boys and girls are raised the same, we would not have this issue. And, and this is why I say, I mean, when I see young women and my sisters also raising two daughters, when they will also say, but the shorts is too short now. And then, but, and it's unfortunate. Um, we are doing this to our daughters also. Um, so, so where do we also stop? Where do we say, you know what? Um, why am I teaching her that if she, if she wants it like this, if she wants to drink, um, it's okay. Hmm. You know, not that, that uh, can I, I must only have one drink because what will people think? Or if I dress like this or if my nails is long, or if I go to church and the skirt is be- above the knee hmm. and not below the knee, then it's a train smash. Um, hmm. So, so I've, I've, always, I've always said that, unfortunately, we've become so used to this sort of way of living. Mm. Um, and then also when it's August, the, the, this conversation sort of starts. And I mean, so women are being raped. Young girls are being abused daily. Um, and then, then we're not having these conversations, right? Mm. Mm. Um, and we should be. Um, especially those of us that are raising young mothers. I stay in town and we even have a women's running group where it's only mm. females. Because if you're a female runner and you're not married and now you join it, they think you're coming to pick up men. You? And we just want to run. So, so I mean, mm. now we have to to that extreme where we say, okay, so this, it's a group and it's only women. Mm. So you can't just go and run. Not that I must now worry about the tights, whether I'm safe, whether I'm leading someone on. I just want to run or I just want to hike. Mm. Um, mm. I mean, we have to go to such extremes. I mean, screenshots um, when we're traveling. It, it's, it's actually sad. Mm, it is. It is. It totally yeah. is. I, I want to I go back to the little girl thing, right? Because um, it really, really, really grates my nipples that when we... Uh, on social media, let's say on Facebook, you said a little girl dancing, you know, looking cute, gyrating. Um, and it's, it's a dance, right? She's being cute. She's probably mimicking whoever she likes, whatever. And yet people are going to sexualize that, right? Yeah. And people are going to start fearing for her. I am also in that, that I'm like, oh no, you know, I, I hope wherever she is, she's safe because she's not the problem, right? So whether it's the six-year-old Anelida or the 30-year-old Anelida, you are never the problem. The problem is how people want to um, engage with the interface that you are in, right? Which is your humanity. And it's so problematic because you see it in the household. So when, when a little girl um, starts washing dishes, starts cooking, you know, we duplicate ourselves as women in little girls. And then in little boys, they're allowed to be experimental and they're allowed to go out there and have fun and do, and do all of those things. But when a little girl wants to climb trees and break legs and, and, and um, it's like now this big problematic thing. No, mm. it's, it's a bone. You know, kids play, they break bones. And then, like, I've got a little boy and I'm all, people are always like, yo, hey, you are going, your medical aid is still going to suffer because they run around, they do all these things. And I'm like, is it because he's a boy or is it because he's a child? Mm. Children need to be children, right? Yeah. And if it means 
the, the, the environment that I'm in is not safe for a little girl, then maybe I shouldn't be in that environment. Because me transferring my fear from myself to the little girl, um, and a little girl can be anyone, can be 12, can be 18, can be 35, because when we all go out there, we're all just as disposable. When we go out there, we're just wounded bodies that may want to um, harm, right? For some odd reason. So it's the environment that needs to change because I, I genuinely don't think that um, it's, it's you that can make yourself safe because no matter how much stuff you put around you for your safety, it actually doesn't lead to safety because we are still being killed mercilessly right so you have your paper spray you have your condoms you've covered the drink you are drinking from the straw even like you've bought your own i don't know like you bought your own like juice box of, of cooking because you don't want you know to be drunk and yet still yeah <laughs> someone targets you to rape you they will and they will succeed and yeah the sad thing is even when they've succeeded and you want to take actions you are probably not going to win so I don't think it's I don't think it's any I think rape culture is so embedded in institutions. Mm. It's like ten layers down and we can't we're just suffering. Mm. And I think I need to, I mean, just to bring Blossom in, because Blossom's just been nodding. I've been seeing a lot of nodding. I've been I wanting to, to drop, speak. I don't want to drop, I wanna listen. <laughs> I to drop some bars. Hey, I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. okay. Don't worry. Um so We've all, you know, in this narrative of talking about gender-based violence and rape, um, either on Twitter or Facebook, we've all come across um, some men who would say, I don't rape, so this isn't my issue, you know? So the question here would be, how can we move past the idea that some men have that sort of rhetoric and perspective? Essentially, what I'm asking is, like, what do men who are not problematic but are still problematic needs to do to sort of end rape culture and blossom i'm going to start with you yeah um for me definitely i feel like um men who have this mentality they i feel like they want a position of power within the base violence so when they aren't in the forefront of it they tend to um just dismiss the idea that it can work because they're not the ones who are saving women. They're not the ones who are in the forefront. So it's almost like they can only um, be a giving woman. So I think that's a, an issue that we need to try and like dissect because it's still perpetuating this power um, dynamic that we were trying to dismantle in the first place so mm. that's something i feel like is really tough because most of these men who are woke they 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 are confused of their own um internalized misogyny mm. and they'll feel like we're attacking them and they'll feel almost frustrated because they say we're here to help but they don't know how it's because they haven't tackled the, the power that they still instill in their own minds. Mm. So, yeah. And it always, it always starts with the, I hear you, but... You know, whenever the, that mm. but comes oh. in, then you're like, okay, I hear you, but let me bring my boxing mm. gloves out first. Like, yeah. Also, mean? this idea of our woman. Our woman. Let's protect mm. our woman. You see, you're already owning us again, and that's what we're trying not to perpetuate, and yet it's still being perpetuated. So it's a never-ending battle. 
Mm. It's like this thing, if I can quickly chime in here, and it's something I've been seeing a lot on Twitter when someone like reports, and it's, it's a pink lady's reports, another um, missing case or whatever, and then it gets later on um, sort of re-reported again that like um, it was an SGBV case and um, that person is no longer. And a lot of the men will say, imagine that's your sister or imagine that's your wife or imagine that's your mother. And it's like, but why, why must it be a problem when it directly affects you? Like mm. it, it's this whole, it's like what Blossom was saying, this whole idea of people thinking that we exist, men thinking that we exist in relation to them. It's only an issue because it's going to affect my family structure in one way or another. It's only an issue because it's going to bring harm um, to me, mm. not because it's an issue type of thing so yeah no and yeah it's just, it's a lot it's just it's it's a lot mm. and it seems like whichever like whenever you think oh no the, he's okay he's all right he's 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 a bit of okay brother and then you say something and you're like mm, mm. you see that's a bit of an issue again like i mean with woke men and stuff and having really like inciting conversations with woke men and then them wanting to be applauded for being decent <laughs> and it's like yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about that. That's <laughs> 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 Also, just in light of what we've been speaking about, I've just realized that most men who tend to say they're against gender-based violence, um, when they are advocating um, against it, they tend to always pick and choose which um, women who've been victims that they want to support. And it's this idea mm-hmm. about desirability. They seem to always um, be supportive of victims who seem desirable to them. Yet it's really like rare to see men um, fighting against uh, gender-based violence that's done to masculine lesbian women. Mm-hmm. You always see them with someone who's pretty, and I don't want to mention names, but we all know the, the faces, unfortunately, of gender-based violence tend to be um, light-skinned women uh, who are young. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So it's just this idea that usually those um, cases are are like brought to the forefront because the men who do want to support it, that's what they want to support because they feel like she's too pretty to have died and all these mm. things. And then you see how that has been amplified, yet the voices of of those who've been silenced because they're masculine and they don't fit the desired um, ideal mm. of what a woman is for um, cis-head men, mm. they are left on the sidelines and then the rest of the movement is down to women to amplify those voices while men will choose, pick and choose who's worthy to be saved by them. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. They do that for themselves as well. Yeah. Like, um, uh, Prof. Gola speaks about that whole thing of some, some men can, uh, are allowed to rape. There's a face of rape. So if he's, you know, ugly and like ragged ass and unemployed yeah he definitely did it but then when it's uh you know <laughs> you know sentient guy on some you know navy you know three-piece suits then no no ways no ways no 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 because that person looks too close <laughs> looks like them right so men even even for themselves it's not like they're gonna be uncomfortable for themselves they're like no look that that raggedy ass 
para homeless guy. Yes, he can be, you know. And yes, that guy just wants five right, you know. He wants some cigarettes, he wants some longer. You, on the other hand, daily are like perpetuating sexual harassment in your workplace, in your family. You're probably the uncle, you know, that meetings mm. can't start without, you know, you are there, you know, in your double cap just so that you can enforce your patriarch everywhere. So men do that, blossom and for themselves. So mm, definitely. men stay looking out for themselves though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Compromise. The sad thing is, um, I mean, Blossom was mentioning that it's a certain type, and and it's it's like it becomes fashionable, right? Mm. Um, yes. To come out in support, and then it's also only for a short period that that support is also very vocal and visible. Mm. And then, and now already things have started to die down. Yeah. Um, and always the same, and I don't want to stereotype, but like mm. you said, it's the same type person that will come out um and i mean we are, we are always happy when someone is vocal but you're a celebrity you're an influence and you are protecting us your women and uh, rightfully so um but it is it's seasonal mm. it's in fashion and then it goes out of fashion and, and no one talks about it again yet it happens every day. Mm. Yeah. Every um, single day it happens. And it's brutal. Yeah. So it's it's in your face it happens, but it is the selective choosing of when and who to support. Mm. And who to come up in support of. Who's posting a cute video? And half of the time I feel like it's not genuine. I I don't I don't get the feeling that it's genuine and authentic. Mm. I feel that something it is I must do yeah. this or it's good for my profile. Um, to say this, to make these noises, and then, then rather leave it. You know, um, we we don't need to be patronized like that. Also, but this thing of it being in fashion, I think must stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think agree. we've got to the point now where if you want less and things, then do it with something else. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we've gotten to a point now where I've I personally I don't know if I can speak on for all of you, but seeing men in high heels and wearing dukes and, 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 bra- and red and lips and and whatever honestly doesn't bring sustainable change in ending rape culture and ending gender based yeah. violence. And I think Renee is right in saying that they honestly just do this to maybe just secure the bag, but also just because they want to be seen as like the popular person who's, you know, speaking against these things. But it's, it's problematic when that person who is part of these campaigns is a perpetuator themselves, you know? So I think, I mean, if, if we're going to talk about discussions around women's month and the, the, the genuinity of these specific movements and campaigns and ending gender-based violence and ending rape culture. Do we not think that the marketing budgets that go into doing these branding changes, changing like names to, inc- to be inclusive of women, changing emblems to be inclusive of women should in fact use that money to bring about sustainable change, right? So invest more in education resources that say men shouldn't mm. rape, invest more yeah. in training and workshops for your, ma- your male colleagues to learn about uh, sex, sexual abuse that happens in the workplace. All this mm-hmm. like frivolous marketing for me doesn't really change much for me. I don't even, yeah. I don't feel even the anything. government programs, even the government mm. programs, and it's 
it's so sad. I mean, we've got a ministry for women that does absolutely nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, 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 and as you're talking about budgets, that money could be spent really elsewhere. And, yeah. on, it's, I, and currently it's being spent on salaries of people sitting in an office, making a speech on certain days when they're supposed to, um, and having these little events. And it's a waste of money. Um, mm-hmm. the, that ministry, which should be on the forefront, is normally the last to say anything. And in fact, doesn't, doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I, yes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree no. with you guys. Um, I feel like it's become a trend um, to speak about like rape and, and culture and things that's associated with rape. Um, so you'll find like certain people speaking about it. And like you said, during um, Women's Month, um, you kind of like see all these um, campaigns popping up. But I don't think it's a discussion that we should only have during August. Like mm. women and children are being raped every single day, every single hour. Why are we only highlighting these issues during August? We should have action and we should have a budget for it every single month so that we can use that funds um, to have like really cool resources available and so that we can also teach men um, to respect us, you know, not to rape us. I just, I get really annoyed when I see these like campaigns popping up in August. Like it's just a a marketing scheme and it's not okay. And also the lies that we fed by our higher ups, whether it be like by forces of authority, whether it be um, the government or in the private sector, whatever. I mean, I remember last year, and I was hopeful yet pessimistic because um, I went Cyril um, basically mentioned um, Thingy. What's this? When he mentioned that he was going to set up like. His, his, his plan for um, targeting SGBV. Mm. And I remember one of the steps was that he was going to set up a couple of courts. And introduce all laws that are not enforced. Mm. Exactly. And he put all of these, all of these like, action points and he's like, this is what we're going to do. This is how I plan, whatever, whatever. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm yet to see one court being established. Mm. One one action point, even a portion of a single action point being reached. So it's all just like being critical to like your higher ups and saying, "Don't tell us what we want to hear at that moment. Mm. Follow up those that like that with action." So yeah, I agree with you in investing in um, actual like courses and um, education. Mm. I think it's very necessary. So, I mean, to wrap up the discussion, I think in as much as we can definitely acknowledge the role that the higher ups have, the ministers have, the president has in, in, um, and, and corporations have in, in, in ending rape culture. I mean, the, the final question I want to ask to all of you is like in our own personal capacity, the power of explaining and learning sexual boundaries to your partner or to anyone you come in contact with how does that like how does that work in terms of explaining sexual boundaries in terms of explaining consent and and how would you perhaps have this conversation with your younger self if you had to explain consent to your younger self how Mm. would you um Mm. and most importantly how would you explain consent to young boys in particular um so i'm opening the floor to this question sure 
it's a very yeah. difficult that you're asking um, mm. and you know these things started out first of all i mean it, it is how we are teaching and about our boss um this is now a stupid little story when i have one sister that's two years older than me and my mother was so uncomfortable to have that conversation with us she went to the library got a little video out um, and plonked us in front of the tv there was no talk about it it was you watch and that's it um so i think really they, they has and i know many people are still uncomfortable mm. with that conversation so, um when we start dating someone i mean we are not talking about this is there are some things that are just we think you will know without me saying it mm. um and you have to say you know this is the boundary this is it. and i'm not yours mm. we are dating but i'm not yours and 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 this yeah. thing of being a possession um is is already a problem but one thing i think even if i look back now my when i was younger um someone should have said to me that uncle that wants to hug you uh, give you these long hugs can it stop there i mean that is the first thing um and luckily i've got a little niece and she's six years old and she will tell you i don't want to be hugged you're not the boss of my body I was not brought up like that. So, so I mean, for her, it, it, it means that at, there is some change at, on a school level. Mm. Um, where if, a, if a young girl can at that age already tell you, you're not the boss of my body, just when a, an aunt wants a hug, she tells you that. Um, yeah. But it starts in our own families. And, and we need to be comfortable to have that conversation to say, that uncle man, the hug is too long. Why you keep on kissing me? I saw you yesterday. Um, and if we do that with our family, because our families, I mean, that is the structure that, we, because it starts there in our community. So by the time you are dating, um, we just fall in. Uh, no one had a chat to me when I was growing up. I saw a video and then there you go. Um, I don't think I even had that chat with my boyfriend to say I'm comfortable with this. You know, and I'm now 42, I can be very vocal, but when I was younger, I didn't. I mean, it was just, this is expected of me, and this is how it should be, and, and, and this is why also there is many people who say what she's supposed, they are married, there's no rape in a marriage, there's no, there's no rape in a relationship, and it happens. Mm. Uh, you know, we do what we are expected to do, but... Um, yeah, I think it starts with that uncle for me. It starts with that uncle. Um, but I must say for tech, you know? Yeah. Um, so I can like, relate to your experience. I think that it's so important to have open communication and just um, set boundaries from the start. I think it was a lot harder for me when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it would have saved me from a lot of really uncomfortable situations but if I could tell myself one thing um, like I just I think that whenever I felt uncomfortable it was okay to say no and not like continue or um, go through with it um, just because like yeah I think it's very important to you know stand up for yourself and, and just um, 
have these conversations. Now that I'm in my 30s, it's like, it's really easy for me to set boundaries, but it wasn't that easy when I was younger. Um, and if I look at like my nephews, for instance, um, you know, the way my sister is, you know, and my sister and her husband is instilling values in them, like teaching them that no means no, and you know, you need to respect yourself, you need to respect other women, but also teaching them how to be vulnerable, you know, how to express the emotions and things, which I think is important in, um, mm. in helping to dismantle toxic masculinity. So, mm. yeah, I mean, these days it's, it's very easy for me to set boundaries. I can be very, like, I can basically be very open in communication. But um, when I was younger, it wasn't easy. And I wish I, um, I had set boundaries when I was younger. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think, yeah, God bless them. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, for me, uh, with consent, obviously, like everyone's been saying, our families, our communities don't really speak about it. So it's been a journey that I've had to learn on my own. And through learning this journey as well, I've realized that consent doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. It's It doesn't mean I'm saying I don't want it. It's rather, I'm just trying to bring alternatives into a situation. So I'm, in my mind, I'm just trying to teach myself to make it something that's more of a positive reinforcement for myself in that if I want to do something, this is how I want to do it. And I'm telling you this. It's a way of communicating with my partner so that he also knows that these are the ways we should be communicating with each other to make sure we're both comfortable with whatever it is that we're doing. So in my mind, I'm just trying to make it something more positive so that it doesn't scare me um, to the possibility of thinking that if something negative was to happen, this is how I'm going to have to be um, very scared and say no in this way, rather that I must have assured myself in the beginning how I wanted to go about any situation that needs my consent. Yeah, for sure. I agree with everything that's been said. And um, yeah, I think it's quite weird because consent is actually an easy concept if you think about it. It's just how society has approached it and all of like these social constructs around it that make it more of a difficult concept than it is because all it is is permission. Are you granting um, someone permission to enter um, your safe space? Whether it is sexually, whether it's like even romantically, even um, um, emotionally, I even think. And it's, it's weird because I was having a, a chat with my friends and um, she was going for a dick appointment. So we're prepping. And I'd like to her, um, when did you, did you like check each other's like STD status and everything? No safe sex. Um, and she's like, what do you mean? I was like, Has, have you shown him your status on like um, any of your STDs or ACI and um, HIV? Um, and she was like, no. I was like, have you asked for him? She's like, no, that's such an awkward conversation to have. And I was like, but there's a big element of consent that comes there. Because if you guys have sex, you guys are consenting to exchanging bodily fluids. Yeah. Like, I, or hopefully it's, it's consensual sex. And if it's mm-hmm. consenting to exchanging bodily fluids, so I don't understand why you guys don't give each other the permission to be vulnerable with each other. 
whether mm. it is on a health basis, whether it's on an emotional basis, and um, even an intellectual basis to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, it's just give it. I just think it's just about permission. Um, giving some of the permission to enter your safe space, and you asking for the permission to enter someone else's safe space. Yeah, so I've been covered and outstandingly so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Um, but I think the, the only thing that I would want to emphasize is the issue of language. Um, because mm. when I say, um, <laughs> I, would, I would like to have sex with you, right? Sometimes what registers in the person's mind is not sex. Maybe it's coercion, maybe it's prostitution, you know, all of these things that somewhat got intertwined. And I don't know how, uh, like for example, there's no such thing as non-consensual sex, there's, there's only rape, right? You can't, you can't coerce someone to have sex with you, that's rape, you know? Um, if I want to have sex with you, I want to have sex with you. When I no longer want to have sex with you, whether mid-penetration, then they must stop, right? Um, and being able to, to, to trust that the person you're with will stop when you say, I'm no longer comfortable proceeding with this, right? And I don't see enough of that conversation happening. And I don't see a lot of this... Um, unpacking rape terms and rape culture and uh, all of these things because I mean the other day I mean I don't like clothes like I don't like clothes I, my thighs are too are too amazing so I'm always wearing shorts and short skirts <laughs> even in winter I've got a big <laughs> so um, I went to town CPD Joburg you know and stupid me, I'm like, shit, I'm not at home. You know, I'm not at home, but I just quickly had to run an errand. And I've never felt so unsafe because there was just a group of guys there by the corner, taxi drivers and stuff. And you can't explain to them what rape culture is. And yet mm. they are the example of it. Because when I'm yeah. like, hello, my size, how am I, ma? Those guys, how am I, baby oil, all of these things that they will scream out at you. And you can't say to them, this is wrong because it's rape culture. They don't know what rape culture is. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a definite need for us to, to find a language that um, all ranks of life, not just the woke, not just people who can who have access to podcasts, not just people who read, understand, because when we are in the rurals, when we're at home, we are under immense patriarchy and we can't even mm -hmm. express it. Right, because yeah, like my grandmother passed away a year ago. Like it was patriarchy on steroids. You know, this uncle must do this. When are you unmarried, but you have a child, so you must wear this duke. You know, all of these things, and you're just there, like it's wrong. But I don't know how to communicate how how to communicate it. So I definitely yeah. think there's a there's a big conversation to be had around language and consent, and mm. um and of course the discussions because I'm a big sister. So, if my mother is not available to have the safe talk, um, I must be a safe space for younger women, you know, and that's literally what I thrive to be and not transfer my fears and not transfer my doubts and my concerns and my, yeah, but do you know that you could wait? 
you know, and trying not to be toxic in my advice and trying not to be toxic in my language or in my utterances. Because when we're in the workspace, like I can talk to you guys in any way because you guys, you guys, we get it, right? Mm-hmm. But when I'm in the text, you're like, you not. No one cares, girl. <laughs> no one cares about your red prof gola that you've written this essay for perils. No one cares. They just, but they know what's wrong. So we just need to find yeah. a way to connect at every level. And I think that's the that's the job and the role of activism. Yeah. Mm. And mm. on that <laughs> note. And on that note, that is how we end off this episode. It has been proven that it's not how short my skirt is, how short my top is, the length of my shorts. It's it's just about you learning to respect my body, respect my autonomy, respect my agency. And from the ladies in this uh, lovely, lovely, lovely Zoom room, thank you for um, you know giving your stories. Thank you for explaining to us what rape culture is in a simplified way. And to you, the listener, remember that patriarchy isn't going to fight itself. 